Hello and welcome to Cumber Baptist Church Podcast. The following is taken from our morning service, Sunday 31st of March 2019. This morning we are joined by Pastor Alan Baird, who takes his reading from Romans, chapter 8, verses 38 to 39 and brings us a message entitled, An Unfailing Love. Seem an awful long way away. It is a pleasure to be with you this morning. Let me say a word of thanks for the invitation to come and to share with you. And if I can put my uh, presidential hat on for a moment to bring you greetings uh, from all the rest of our sister churches, uh, all 118 I think it is at the moment, and also from uh, our workers in Spain, in France, in Peru, and here in Ireland. And to thank you for your support of our Association of Churches. Uh, as the title uh, suggests, that's exactly what we are. Churches, a group of churches working together to reach out with the gospel both at home and abroad. To do things together that we would struggle to do uh, as individual churches. And it's great to have that fellowship. It's been great this past year to go around the different churches and to see the way the Lord is working in each and every uh, situation. And we do pray that God will continue to bless you here uh, in Cumber. Turn with me please to Paul's letter to the Romans and chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. It's already been mentioned that our, our theme this morning is uh, seeing the Lord, seeing the Lord. And really, uh, that will be our theme again this evening, uh, thinking about the one who is our God, uh, what he is like. And Paul reminds us here in this very well-known passage of Romans 8 about one of the characteristics, if you like, of God, God's great love for us. Romans 8, 28, he says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? It is Christ who died. And furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God. Who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? It's a tribulation 
or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we pray that God will bless the reading of his word to our hearts. Political chaos everywhere you look. Unstable financial markets, businesses' livelihoods filled with uncertainty uh, at the risk of uh, being asked to leave Brexit. Uh, everywhere you look in the mess that, we, that we're in, the signs of decline in our social institutions and in schools and health and social care. The, the jettisoning of moral codes that, that once protected and held our society together. The world, it seems, on the move. Vast crowds of humanity looking for a place to put down roots where they might find security and, and sustenance. They're all graphic reminders of the the instability and the unre- unreliability of everything around us. Vivid reminders that we live in a, a constantly and rapidly changing world. And this sometimes frightening lack of stability so easily causes great anxiety. And yet how reassuring to be reminded that in this fast-changing world there is something that remains constant. In the midst of all the failure around us, what a comfort to discover that there's something that is unfailing, that never fails. To be reminded That God's love for us is a constant, unchanging, unfailing love. A love that doesn't change or fail, can't be destroyed, but remains unaltered by conditions, by time, by space, by influences outside and influences inside. With all the the pressures, the changes that we face bring, we need this kind of reassurance of just how wonderful God's love for us is. And in this passage, Paul reminds us again of the nature of our God, the one who indeed is love. And the first thing he tells us here about this amazing love 
is that it's, it's a love that is unaffected by conditions. It's unaffected by conditions. Look what he says here. For I am convinced that neither death nor life. In describing the, the nature of this characteristic of God, his, his love for us, Paul begins with what we could describe as the most feared enemy, death. The one thing that brings the greatest change of all, death. One writer says, death unclasps our hands from the closest and dearest of grasps. Death destroys the deepest of bonds. It separates body and soul. It parts us from our homes, from our occupations, from our friendships, from every bond known to society. It's the most feared of all, the greatest cause of change of all. And yet there's one bond that even death can't break. In fact, in trying to, to achieve that separation, death, in fact, defeats its own aims. Because it tears us away from this old world with all its limitations, and it carries us into the nearer presence of God. Death, with all its power, Paul says, cannot separate us from God's love. And then he turns to life. What death cannot do, with all of its power, maybe life, with all of its hazards and, and all of its problems, maybe life can bring about this separation. Maybe if we live long enough, the cords of, of God's love might be eroded away and eventually snap and be broken and that love be lost. I know, says Paul, such is the nature of God's love for us that neither death nor life can ever separate us from that love. And when you think about it, these two conditions, death and life, they're the extremes, if you like, of our experience. They're at the opposite ends of the chain Life and death. And the point is that if the extremes of our experiences, if they can't separate us from God's love, then certainly nothing in between can separate us from that love. If the most violent change possible doesn't loosen the grip of God's love for us, then we need have no worries over other less violent changes. What a tremendously reassuring truth. God's love is unaffected by conditions, whether it's life 
or death or anything in between. But he doesn't stop there. Not only does he say that it's unaffected by conditions, he says it's unimpaired by creatures. It's unimpaired by creatures. Look what he says. Neither angels, nor principalities, nor powers. If nothing in our, our conditions can, can affect God's love for us, is it possible? Is it possible that, that there are things outside of the natural realm that could possibly cause God's love for us to fail? Again, Paul assures us that there's no need to fear in this count either. He tells us categorically that angels, whether they're good or bad, cannot harm, destroy, or separate us from God's love. Unseen forces, good or evil, cannot break that bond of love that binds us to our Savior. Principalities, nor powers, all the the evil workings and the, the evil workers of Satan cannot separate us from God's love, even though they would try to convince us that they can. We're well warned in Scripture to have nothing to do with these evil powers or their, or their workings. The, the whole use of magic and, uh, and superstition are dishonoring to God. And dabbling in them can and, and will cause harm. But try as they do, Satan and his hordes and his devices can never separate us from God's love for us. Because here, here we see the personal nature of our relationship with God. It's between God and us. No other being, human or spiritual, is involved, nor indeed has any power in the matter outside of God. No other had a part in forging our relationship with him. And none can destroy it. One writer says this, angels, principalities, powers may stand beholding with sympathetic joy. They may minister blessings and guardianship, but the decisive act of union between God and the soul, they can never affect nor prevent. God assures us through his word that, that just as there's nothing in the natural realm, whether it's death or life, so there's nothing in the spiritual realm, principalities or powers, that can separate us from his love. It is totally unaffected, totally unimpaired by creatures. What a love this is. What a God we have, unaffected by our conditions, unimpaired by creatures. 
fruits. He says, undiminished by time. Undiminished by time. Nor things present, nor things to come. Paul turns our attention to the power of time. My, how time changes things. Time brings about the the greatest changes and eventually brings about separation. Isaac Watson, his great hymn, reminds us that time, like an ever-flowing stream, bears all its sons away. We're reminded of the change that time brings about every time we look in the mirror. You get to the point where you look in the mirror and you see your father or your mother instead of yourself. Time changes. We look different. Time brings about change. Time has brought the destruction of a great many loves and a great many relationships. So how does time, whether present or future, how does it affect God's love for us? Well, the short answer is it doesn't. It can't. Remember, in his great revelation of himself uh, to Israel, in Exodus chapter 3, God reveals himself as I am that I am. I am that I am. The eternal God. And the burning bush symbolized this. The bush was continually burning but never consumed. If you like, we have the always now fire. God is eternal. Unchanging. And God is love. And so his love is eternal. Things present won't destroy it. And we can rest assured that that whatever happens in the future won't separate us from God's love either. Jeremiah reminds us in chapter 31 and verse 3 where God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have loved you with an everlasting love. What comfort. What strength, what assurance when we feel, when, when we fall, when we're overwhelmed by the, the pressures of life. To know that nothing can separate us from that love. You think of Job. In Job's situation, Satan dealt in things present. And those things were Really about as bad as it gets. But they did not separate Job from God's love. At the end of it all, in chapter 42, we read this. The Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than the beginning. Think of David. Think of Elijah. There, Satan dealt in things to come. 
David said, I'll die at the hands of Saul. A short time later, God sets him on the throne of Israel. Jezebel says to Elijah, I'll make your life as one of them before tomorrow. Elijah upped and ran for his life. But in fact, he never died. He never died. God took him home in a chariot of fire. And as we constantly face the, the frightening torrent of change and decay in the world around us and indeed within us, the, the, the cooling of earthly affection as time sweeps by, Satan would love to persuade us to judge God's love by the same standards as the world's fleeting standards. But that would be so far from the truth. Because God's love for us knows no end and experiences no decline in its intensity or its quality. It is totally unaffected by time, whether it's past, present, or future. His love for us. Here's a glorious truth. God's love for us is as great now as it was in eternity past when he set that love on us. God's love for us this morning is as great as it was some 2,000 years ago when Christ died on Calvary's hill for us. God's love for us is as great this morning as it will be when he presents us spotless before the Father in eternity yet to come. We need never fear that there will be any lessening of his love. Because that can never happen. His love is from everlasting to everlasting. It's undiminished by time. It's unaffected by space. He says, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature. That which has brought an end to many a human love, space, distance, is no match for the love of God. Just as, as time is part us to separate us from that love, so too is distance. He says, nor height, nor depth. This is one of those truths that is, is wonderful, marvelous for the child of God, and yet a fearful thing for those who are without Christ. The psalmist reminds us in Psalm 139, You, God, 
see me. If I ascend to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the grave, you're there. Where shall I flee from your presence? And the answer, of course, is nowhere. There is nothing in highest heaven or in lowest hell that can ever separate us from God's wonderful love. And as you read this, this passage, you get this, this sense almost of Paul's growing impatience. He's listing the things that are powerless to, to separate us from God's love. And then with one final burst, he, as it were, throws everything else into the net. The whole of space, the whole of created matter. Nor any other creature. It's almost as if he, he realizes that the ability of the human heart to, uh, to man manufacture, to conjure up, possible trouble and disaster for itself. It's limitless. You say, God's love can't be, we can't be separated from it by this. Ah, but what about that? No, no, that. Ah, but what about that? And you think of all the whatabouts. It's as though he's gathering all those together. And he lays it all to rest. Because he says, in effect, that no created thing can separate us from God's love. And that means that absolutely nothing and no one can ever separate us from God's love. What is the only thing, the only person, if you like, that is uncreated. God himself. Everything else is created. St. Paul could say that in him we live and we move and we have our being. Even though God knows us intimately, even better than we know ourselves, he still loves us with an everlasting love. Not because of who or, or what we are, but indeed in spite of who and what we are. How tremendous to, to know that the God who knows us so well still loves us. See, here's the thing. Nothing will ever surprise him. No skeleton will fall out of the cupboard and cause God's love for us to lessen. Or to feel. There are no surprises. The all-knowing God knows all about them. And in spite of those, He loves us. It's unhindered by space. It's undiminished by time. It's unimpaired by creatures. It's unaffected by conditions. But see, here's the thing. It's not just a wonderful theological truth. It is that, of course. But there's so much more to it. 
Because recognizing the triumph of God's amazing love for us over all of these things, whether they're real or supposed enemies, gives us the victory over them as well. We're set free from the, the, the dread of death and, and the despair of life. We're delivered from the, the superstitious dread of the unseen world, from the fear of man. We're rescued from, from being dragged down by the present or, or being paralyzed by anxiety for the future. What a glorious truth that we, as the children of God, through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, cannot be separated from his love by anything. Natural, spiritual, temporal, or spatial. The love of God is forever ours. You see, to lose God's love, God would have to cease to exist. And that's not possible. In the midst of the, the stormy sea, if you like, of, of chains and decay all around the quote what's, what a rock. What an anchor for the soul. What a thrill. Surely it must fill our lives with, with the assurance of God's love, the, the comfort of God's eternal presence. Surely it should fill us with strength and with hope and with assurance. Surely it must encourage us to a deeper love for him. And a greater rejoicing in the certain knowledge that the love that took the initiative in lifting us from the miry clay, that love will one day lift us into the halls of heaven. Paul says, for I am totally convinced Retiring pastor delivered his last sermon from the pulpit where he had preached for many, many years. And on the way out, one of the faithful members stopped with him and she said, Pastor, in all these years that you've ministered to us, do you know what the most important thing that you've ever said to us is? He said, what's that? She says, you told us that there is nothing that we can do to get God to stop loving us. The most important thing that we can learn in life is this, that God never stops loving us. Peter lied and swore about being one of the disciples. But God still loved him. You remember the resurrection? You see that love revealed, if you like, 
where the word was, Go and tell my disciples and Peter. And Peter. The mothers and their, their children, they, they were a nuisance for the disciples, but, but God still, still loved them. The woman at the well, she had a horrendous past and, and her present wasn't much to write home about either. But God still loved her. And no matter what your life is or has been, God still loves you. So let's rest confidently. Let's rejoice continually in the amazing reality of that even more amazing love, that eternal love, that unfailing love that is ours in Christ Jesus. We're going to sing at this stage, there is a higher throne. And how, how appropriate that is to be reminded that in the midst of all that we face, there is a higher throne. And seated on that higher throne is a God who loves us with an everlasting love that nothing can ever take away from us. Let's sing together.